Welcome to the Aerobic Power Builder. Amanda has not taken any notes. She doesn't need to. It's all up in her head. I have taken copious notes. He's written a book. I've written a small book. Let's get down to business. Down to business. Sunday. It's beautiful outside. We're going to go to the pool later. If you're not going to the pool on a day like today, you're probably doing it wrong. Unless you have something else that's important with your family to do, and then that's fine. But why not do that at the pool, really? Right? Maybe they don't have access to a pool. Everybody has access to a pool. Not right now. <sighs> Jump the fence. It's all right. <laughs> Jump the fence. How much do you want it? You can go in the river. They haven't closed off the river. No. Anyway, anyway. this episode is brought to you by Formula O2. No longer Formula O2. Just O2. Just O2. Just O2. You want to feel better about yourself? You want to recover? A little bit of caffeine. This one has hemp in it, so it's got a little bit of don't worry about it in there, too. Just a relaxer or whatever, whatever hemp does. O2. It's delicious. It is. If they want to be an actual sponsor, that would be unbelievable. Or anybody. Anybody. Whatever you want to do. Anyway, let's get down to business. Let's get serious. Enough with, enough with the sponsorships. What are we talking about today? Episode 16, I think. I think you're right. I think I'm right. I think so. Oh, For will, once. Somebody will be like, no, it's actually only 17. But I think it's 16. I think so. Yeah. Um, machines. 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 Are they our friends? Are they our foes? That's what we're going to talk about. So, yeah. Training like a machine. Training with machines. That's what we want, basically. So why don't we actually begin with your story uh, with machines, maybe a little bit of background, but also kind of over the next several weeks, what you're going to be looking to do with regard to machines. Uh, so my background with machines is very, very limited. Yeah. You effectively uh, don't have any. Any at all. Yes. Uh, the occasion uh, that I would go with you to the Metro um, a couple of times going to a gym back home. Uh, but I started in a CrossFit gym, so machines were very foreign to me. I think maybe once in college I went to our gym and attempted to use a machine and sat there and read the instructions and was like, nope, I'm just going to go over here. Found some dumbbells and then I was fine. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next several weeks. As I venture into that world of yeah. all machines. Machines only. So do you want to let the audience know why you're going to do that? Why I'm doing that. Um, because I broke a bone in my hand uh, at the gym. No, not on a machine. Not on a machine. Um, but yes, yeah, so non-weight bearing, 8 to 12 weeks uh, in a brace at minimum. At most, maybe a cast, um, but cannot hold or put anything into my hand. So a machine is going to be my best bet of remaining active and keeping my sanity. <laughs> yeah, so can't hold dumbbells, can't hold a barbell on your back, certainly not in your front, can't press, can't pull, all that stuff. Uh, dumbbells, kettlebells fall into the same thing. Yes. So you need to use some alternative stuff. Enter the machines, the world of the machines. Uh, so it might, you know, given that, so obviously this is your way to keep exercising at a certain level to blow off steam, to maintain your sanity, 
all that kind of stuff in a time where otherwise you're, you're kind of in a rough spot because you can't use one of your hands. And that is your dominant hand too. Uh, for, Uh, for for most things in the fitness world. Yes, I am right handed, but I am more dominant with my left when it comes to sports. So gotcha. Yes. So yeah, I think that's, that's one of the things we're going to talk about is if we do have an injury that that machines can be a really effective alternative just to keep you in the game. If we look at the worst possible scenario as you do nothing, um, if we can work around that using some machines, that is clearly to your benefit. Uh, but maybe a little bit of background at first about how fitness machines came to be. So if we go back in time to maybe like the turn of the 20th century up into into like the 1920s, gyms, interestingly, looked a lot like functional fitness gyms do today, uh, which is to say there were barbells or, you know, the, the equivalent time variant of barbells and dumbbells, and kettlebells. Uh, gymnastics bars and rings and stuff like that. And what people tended to do didn't look super, super different from kind of what we would, you could sort of recognize as like functional fitness movements. So squatting and deadlifting and things like that. Um, The issue was, and sort of to a certain extent remains, is that none of those things are self-evident. Like, so it's not Though we all are born with the ability to squat or to pick up things, like how to do it safely and optimally isn't isn't something you just inherently know. So even then, there was an issue with people not like being interested in wanting to become physically fit or engage in physical culture, um, but not having someone to basically show them. It, it's like inherently a little intimidating for some people now, certainly for some people then. So some enterprising minds started to develop machines that mimicked the movement patterns of what they saw as like the most effective things. Um, And this has really just developed on and on and on over time. Uh, Conventional gyms started, really got their start like in the post-World War II era in the 1950s. And you saw again, like the start of the first machines there that basically the idea would be anybody could come in and use. And then this really reached uh, an explosion point when Arthur Jones, uh, who's the inventor of Nautilus machines, kind of came into the fore. And, and then, so basically the conventional gym started to start to look like basically a place of only machines. And with the idea being that machines, because they only move in certain ways uh, are effective for people to come in with no training and just begin to use them. And this still happens today. Like if you go to the conventional gym, the huge majority, I would have to assume like 90 plus percent of people have no formal training in movement, but they're able to like sort of effectively use machines because the machines are inherently pretty obvious. And it doesn't mean they're doing the right weight or the right reps or doing it the right way to the full range of motion, but they're doing it in a way where generally they're not going to hurt themselves. And that was kind of the idea. Um, you know, if we take this to its probably greatest extent was in the 1990s, maybe early 2000s, where you have, you know, really the height of conventional gyms that are populated almost entirely by machines and where, you know, few people are using free weights. And this was kind of when I got my start is going to Alexander's Athletic Club and really using almost all machines except for like bench press, dumbbell bench press, incline dumbbell bench press, 
and like pull-ups. And that was it. And everything else was a machine. Was the Smith machine, was the lat pull-down machine, was, um, you know, what a cross cables getting after that, the low rows, and just having an unbelievable time. Um, and obviously with the advent of things like CrossFit, there's been a little bit of a revolt against machines, um, you know, to a certain extent, rightfully, that that compound functional movements with barbells and dumbbells and kettlebells tend to be a little more effective for people. Um, but maybe, maybe not entirely rightly. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So let me ask you this question, friend. Do you like, in your small experience using machines, have, have you had an enjoyable time? Yes. Yeah, you, you like it. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting for me now having a knowledge base of fitness and now understanding the purpose behind certain machines and what they do um, and understanding a little bit more of anatomy. Uh, I think it's just interesting now to go and realize like, oh, that's what this machine is meant to target. Like the isolation of a lot of machines for a particular muscle or muscle group. Uh, I think it's just exciting for me because it's exciting to go like from a back squat to maybe like a leg extension machine where you're focusing solely on your quads um, to get a little bit more emphasis out of your squat or to help again focus uh, for me on a trouble area uh, just to get a little bit more muscle definition. Yeah, I think a really interesting element of the use of fitness machines is that they they hit in many ways, most effectively, the two polar ends of the fitness spectrum. So training age zero, where you literally know nothing, machines can be an appropriate way to begin fitness if you don't have direction. Like obviously the optimal, most appropriate way is you have a coach who teach you, teaches you things and you go from knowing nothing to knowing many things. And that's actually how you should do it. But short of that, if people are unwilling or unable to make the investment in a coach, machines can be a kind of a reasonable substitute. Interestingly, if you go to the other end of the spectrum, you go to people who are advanced or coming into getting close to being advanced, um, late intermediate into advanced, machines also can tend to make sense because those people are now so strong that this the fatigue they develop from squatting and deadlifting because they're doing it, they're expressing those things at such heavy weights, uh, preclude them from doing those things maybe as much as they would otherwise need to, to continue progressing. Like deadlift 600 pounds, chances are you can only overload your deadlift once a week. And it's so fatiguing that you need to find other alternatives. You can still do that movement pattern, but you can't, you can't deadlift five bills a couple times a week. Like it's just not going to happen. So enter machines. They work really well for that. Um, so, we have, you know, that the use of machines as an alternative if you're injured, um, if maybe you're getting to the point where you need some different stuff. Um, but maybe let's get into some other reasons for machines. So I want to talk a little bit, but why don't you kind of give us your thoughts about where a machines fit in for an aerobic power builder? 
I love to hit her with these questions. She's, <laughs> she's totally not ready for it. We didn't at talk about all. this at all. So nope. then it's just, let's just see if you can think on the fly. <laughs> think on the fly. Um, again, I think it's just nice to have another tool in your belt, right? So if we think about, you know, um, a, a gym that we coach at, right? We have barbells, we have dumbbells, we have kettlebells, and that gets us really good way, right? I mean, six years in, I'd say I've progressed quite a bit with that only being the tools that I use. Um, so being able to have access to something like uh, a Smith machine or to have a leg press or a hack squat or uh, different varieties of pull downs, like just to add those into my tool belt to further move me along at this stage is is awesome. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, which is variation. Um, so the issue with functional fitness gyms is that there is ultimately a limit to how much variation you can have because ultimately you can use barbells, you can use dumbbells, you can use kettlebells, and that gives you a ton of variation. And there's other stuff too, medicine balls, et cetera. But at some point, um, you're, you're going to run out of, start to run low on options. And those things can inherently also be like very heavily fatiguing. So it's really nice to have the option. And I've been exploring this a lot lately of using machines for just that, to give you a break from compound hard movements. So instead, again, instead of doing say weighted pull-ups, using the lat pull down machine where I can go heavier than my body weight, mm -hmm. hit a specific rep range and it gives me some variation um, or chin ups, you know, reversing my hand grip basically, or using hack squats, leg press in say, instead of front squats, if you're targeting quad hypertrophy, things like that. You know, frankly, it's also just nice to have a change of pace. Like it, it's extremely enjoyable for me to be back in a conventional gym. Uh, you forget how much you miss it until you you come back to it and really remember like how much you really love it there. Um, so that I think, and I would put that into variation. Like it's just a change of pace. It's fresh and fun and gets you kind of like excited to do things that you've done a lot in your past, but maybe haven't done in a while. So that's the first thing. We touched on the second thing, which is SFR, so stimulus to fatigue ratio. Things like deadlifting have a huge raw stimulus, like nothing has more. But, and when you're a beginner, that's perfect because you actually aren't strong enough to generate enough fatigue where that becomes an issue. But as you get stronger and you move from being a beginner to more intermediate, maybe intermediate to elite intermediate and getting towards advanced, you start to get real strong. That's one of the indications of being more advanced, just physically very strong. And you can't physically recover from those super high stimulus, but also high fatigue movements like de deadlift, back squat, uh, strict press as quickly. And so we need to find some alternatives that provide a very similar stimulus, but are, in, are uh, comparatively less fatiguing. So you can come back and overload it. Like, you know, if we want to grow our legs, this is the question to you. Can you squat? Can you do leg stuff like squatty stuff like once a week? Can if you're, if you're anything other than a rank beginner? Can a person? 
<laughs> no. No, you can't. <laughs> no. So if you're a beginner, you can. You definitely right. can. And if you're super advanced, like you're a pro bodybuilder, you also can. Like they're actually at the other end where they sustain so much damage that they may actually only be able to squat once a week. But that doesn't include anybody who's listening to this. My guess is, what if we did have a ton of pro bodybuilders to listen to this? That would be amazing. It would be unbelievable. <laughs> Maybe one day. One so, day. Um, but assuming that's not the case, you can't just squat once a week. Sorry. Or you can, but you won't, you won't get optimal development, either strength or hypertrophy. So we need to find some alternatives in machines like leg press, lax, uh, back, uh, hack squat, goodness gracious, leg extensions, leg curls provide that. Um, you know, injury is something. Obviously, you're in that spot right now. Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing is developing a little bit better of a mind-muscle connection um, or hitting part of the muscle that, that other movements don't hit very well. So an interesting example is the hamstring. So we prescribe a lot of Romanian and straight leg deadlifts, which are effectively the same thing, to people in that it is meant to target your glutes and hamstrings, but it doesn't actually target the entire hamstring. So there's part of your hamstring that you can only target through flexion, basically pulling your heel towards your rear end. So enter the either seated or lying hamstring curl. Now there are things like glute ham raises in the world of, in the functional fitness world that you can do, but they're hard enough that most people can't do them without assistance. So there are literally things that are machines like are created for that you effectively need the machine to be able to do fully. Uh -huh. um, so let me ask you about this. Do you think that we could replace functional movements entirely with no. machines? No, no. Why not? Because I, I mean, they're fun. And they are fun. <laughs> they are fun, but obviously functional movements serve a purpose, right? They have, hence why they are called functional movements. They are things that we do day in, day out, whether you realize it or not. And if you lose that function, uh, no amount of machine is, is going to help you get it back. So if you're programming for me and I go to a conventional gym mm -hmm. and I'm looking, you know, I'm in a, say a hypertrophy block or I'm looking to put on uh, muscular size, uh, how would you order my workouts in terms of, of functional movements? And you can use some examples. You know, let's say, let's say it's a leg day. So how would you order that in terms of use of machines versus, you know, barbell, dumbbell, that kind of stuff? Uh, I mean, nothing is going to beat the squat. So you're going to squat at some point. It, it may be once a week. It may be twice a week. Um, but then again, putting emphasis on other portions of your leg through the use of the variation of the machines that we've mentioned, whether it be hack squatting, using the Smith machine, leg extensions, all depending on your goals. Um, is it more quad definition? Is it hamstring? Is it calves. So filling in kind of the gaps there that while a back squat is good overall for leg strength, um, kind of narrowing in on what you are looking for there. Gotcha. I think another way to look at it too is, is you lead off with something that is more something like a back squat or a deadlift. If it's a, like a bending hinging focus day, um, and that's your, your thing that you hit when you're fresh. 
because it's it's just so hard. But then you, after that, maybe start to work in some machines. So maybe you back squat first, but then you leg press after that. And then you get, you know, as you become more fatigued, that's where you look at maybe a hamstring curl or something like that, where, um, because it's just inherent, it's still very stimulating, but not as fatiguing. Mm -hmm. You're not at a point where, and we've seen, you know, you, everybody's experienced this or seen people where you try to do something that's really hard like sets of eight in the back squat when you're already fatigued. And so you might be able to do it. Like, I'm not saying you're going to fail, but it becomes a question of, can you express that in an overloading way? Mm -hmm. Are you able to get, you know, above 60%, 60, 70% of your one rep max when you're already tired? My argument would be like, uh, maybe not, or maybe not super safely. So then as we accumulate fatigue in the course of a workout, or over the course of a week, that's where it, really, it may make sense to kind of turn our eyes toward the use of, of machines. So how did, could you do strict pull-ups when you started CrossFit? No. How did you learn to do strict, or how did you develop that strength and skill? Uh, we did a lot of pulling. Um, I want to say that, so my... My second workout <clears throat> uh, in CrossFit was Jackie. And so that is 21 pull-ups at the end. I think it's 30. 30 pull-ups at the end. Um, and so I made it, oh yeah. So I made it through 21 of those 30 pull-ups with a blue band. Um, so adding something to eliminate my body weight to help work through that range of motion. Um, bar rows and then any variety of dumbbell rows, bent over rows, bar, you know, barbell rows um, to work on pulling strength uh, before I was able to then do that. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was looking for you to say is, is the vast majority of the time when people come in and they're unable to do strict pull-ups at the beginning of their sort of uh, functional fitness journey, the way to get them there is to strengthen their pulling patterns with things like bar rows or inverted rows, horizontal mm -hmm. pulling, mm -hmm. um, but also assisted vertical pulling. So the use of bands. Unfortunately, bands are deeply flawed for that. They don't actually work that well, uh, but they're inexpensive. And that's why they're ubiquitous is because they don't cost very much, um, but they are, they're not even close to optimal for that. What actually is optimal is like the old Gravitron or assisted pull-up machine. And the reason that it's better than a band is because the level of assistance that a band provides changes depending on how much it's stretched. And actually when you need, if you think about where people fail pull-ups, they fail it at the end, at the top, mm -hmm. where they can, they can get the bar to like their nose, but they can't get the bar under their chin. Um, and so that's where the band provides you with the least, if not zero assistance is because it's at that point, there's no tension on it, far less. It provides the most assistance at the bottom. But you don't really need help. That's where you're strongest. The assisted pull-up machine is the opposite. It provides you with a basically a uniform amount of assistance throughout the whole range of motion. So I've always, I've long been, uh, for years, been of the opinion that like I can progress people to strict pull-ups faster in a conventional gym than a functional fitness gym because you can use an assisted pull-up machine and I can use the lat pull-down machine. 
not to mention all the other horizontal pulling variants and all that stuff. So there are some situations where for strength and skill development, machines are in fact better than some of the alternatives. Um, it's just wrapping your head around the idea that like you have to look at it logically and not that you have like a romantic relationship with something because that's how you do it. So yeah, that's how, that's how I did it. So it must be the way it's like, no, that's not true. Um, have you, you, have you used machines and quote unquote felt it in your muscle more than if you, uh, did something with say dumbbells, barbells, kettlebells? For sure. Um, I have worked with a PT for a long time and, and I have a weak abductor and a weak adductor. Uh, and so going into a conventional gym and using those machines to target that at least allowed me to feel that particular uh, muscle so that I knew when I went to do my PT exercises what I was trying to replicate. So just to give people some context, uh, if you're familiar with hip abduction and adduction, and if you're not, you can just look it up. It's super easy. Uh, there's a machine. There are two machines two. Uh, in, in the conventional gym at the Metro that you, where you can train abduction and adduction. What do you call those machines? The yes-no machines. The yes-no machines. One's yes and one's no. One is no. So we'll let you uh, figure that out on your own time <laughs> and figure out what, what exactly she means. It'll make sense as soon as you see it. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've seen this a ton of times where either because I'm just not technically skilled enough at a given movement or you, it just feels better for my anatomy that I actually get a much better mind-muscle connection using a machine than I would, um, you know, with a barbell or a dumbbell or a kettlebell for that same movement pattern. Mm -hmm. A really good example of this, I think it's like so obvious, is dumbbell flies in the pec deck. So there's a point with a dumbbell fly towards the top where gravity um, stops basically, where it's not a, a resisting, resisting factor anymore. So only part of the range of motion is actually stimulating of a dumbbell fly. But if you use pec deck, it's the entire range of motion. So it's a really interesting thing where, again, you have to sort of break yourself from the assumption that free, free weights are quote unquote always better because they're not always better. It just depends on what, what your goal is. And I think obviously that's kind of the underlying theme of this, this whole episode is, is, you know, we would encourage the, the dear listener to be a little more thoughtful about it and not just take everything. It, it's kind of the naturalistic fallacy. Like, or if it comes from nature, it must inherently be better um, than, than if it's man-made, it's like, that's not necessarily true at all. So yeah. So on balance, would you say, my friend, are you a fan of machines in terms of working them into your workout regime? Yeah. Not just because you're hurt. Not just because I'm hurt. Yes. Uh, it is It is fun. And it's more fun now for me, uh, again, just kind of having a knowledge base at this point. Um, and so I think there's something to be said for that for my particular personality type, right? Like, walking into a gym at, you know, 18, 19 years old as a female, not knowing what any of them did. I was like, no, thanks. Dumbbells, this I can do. Um, versus now having educated myself. Um, I think 
they're an awesome tool and definitely fun to use in my training. Yeah, you know, it, it really brings up an interesting question, and this is what I want to kind of leave everybody with to think about, stir the pot a little bit, assuming that the most of the people who listen to us go to functional fitness gyms and maybe don't find themselves in conventional gyms very much, is actually in reality, uh, for most people's goals, is the, is the functional fit, as I'm sorry, is the conventional gym, Metro Fitness, is it actually better? So if the programming is equal, right? So we're programming for you and we're programming to optimize your goals based on you, your, your individual characteristics. Uh, because we inherently have more tools at our disposal there and along with the same exact tools or most of them as we do at a functional fitness facility, except for there, we don't have machines. Is the conventional gym actually the optimal place to move forward at a certain point? It's a really interesting question. And I think you maybe could argue either way. Um, so maybe that's something we'll get into in a future episode is what actually, where is the perfect place? And, and, and what, what delineates a quote unquote perfect place? So that's my final thought for the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. My dear Amanda, do you have any final thoughts for the people about machines or fitness or anything? Sunday afternoons that are sunny. Sunday afternoons that are Sunday. Sunny. Um, no, I don't. Just our usual enjoy the rest of the weekend. Have fun. Yeah. Enjoy your weekend. Have fun. Theme of this episode too. Don't take everything at face value. Sometimes you have to be a little more thoughtful about it and go, wait a minute. That might not exactly be true. All right. Have a good day. <laughs> See ya.